It's pretty simple to figure out. Either inspire and innovate or lose the culture. The Love Times 2 podcast starts now. Welcome to 139, the official podcast of Love Times 2. Here is your host, Mike Victor. Hey, welcome to this episode of the Love Times 2 podcast. We have a very significant discussion uh, to talk about today, and it's this. I'm just going to jump right to the point in this episode. The pro-life movement must inspire and innovate or risk losing the culture. Now, maybe that's not what you expected me to say, but uh, I'm just putting it out there. That's the point of today's discussion. The pro-life movement must inspire and innovate or risk losing the culture. You know, the pro-life movement's political emphasis has certainly edged it closer to ending Roe versus Wade than at any other point in time since 1973. But the end result of a Roe reversal may be, honestly, less than spectacular if the culture is lost along the way. I mean, I want you to understand that Uh, a role reversal may be less than spectacular if the culture has been lost along the way. Now, when Roe is reversed, and I'm going to explain this so it gives you some context, when Roe is reversed, we're going to find out really quickly where the culture is at on the issue of abortion. And by the way, it's not just pro-life advocates that are talking about the ending of Roe. Abortion supporters are doing the same thing. It's just true. I mean, sometimes it can be used as a fundraising ploy, and I get that, but I really do sense that everyone on both sides, all sides of the abortion spectrum, uh, Everyone is expecting Roe to fall sooner rather than later. And a lot of that has to do with the fact that it was just poorly decided. I mean, it was poorly decided, poorly reasoned, and after 46 years, it still divides the entire nation. So it's just doomed to fall, and everyone is starting to feel that more and more. Now, in contrast to popular perception that a Roe reversal means an end to abortion, the reality is that such a reversal will likely result in a brand new framework that's going to allow greater state control over abortions. It's highly unlikely that it will be just, you know, cut and dried. I mean, the court's not going to just throw up its hands and say, hey, we're washing our hands of it. Here you go, states, and just toss the entire issue lock, stock, and barrel for the states to decide. I think what we can expect is a new ruling, a new precedent that sets the new legal rules for engagement on the issue of abortion at the state level. And this new framework is going to ignite an entirely new era of litigation that's going to be probing the courts to define more specifically uh, what the new framework means. So just as Roe has been litigated in some form or the other for over 46 years, uh, what follows um, this will be regulations and, in some states, referendums. And I don't mean to be a buzzkill for anybody who's thinking, hey, I thought a Roe reversal meant the end of abortion, uh, that it ends in America the day that Roe is reversed, uh, that's not going to be the case. And I'm just being truthful about uh, what's going on and, and what's going to happen next. And here's the big point I want to make to get you thinking about this in depth, okay? Uh, really, for you uh, to have dialogue with your friends and colleagues on this and for you to really be thinking about this, if and when it does go back to the states, we're going to find out very quickly where the culture is at on abortion. Now, underscore this thought in your mind because This is a huge reason that Love Times 2 exists, because when we get to that point, we're going to find out where the culture is at. And at that point, it's too late to shift emphasis uh, to start talking about changing the culture. State by state, and I believe in fairly short order, uh, we'll find out exactly where the culture stands. And if the culture has significantly shifted to be favorable towards abortion, uh, you're not going to reel that back in 
with a three-week Facebook campaign. Are you tracking with me on that? I mean, if you want examples, uh, just look at about any other social issue in America today, and you'll be hard-pressed to find a single one that's leaning towards the traditional values. Maybe you you even want to say Christian values, I guess, but uh, you're going to be hard-pressed to find a single one that's leaning towards the traditional Christian perspective. Those shifts didn't happen overnight. They happened over decades. But when a tipping point is reached, the cow's out of the barn at that point, and sometimes it's out of the barn for good. Does that all make sense to you? I mean, I hope I'm making this clear. I'm, I'm certainly trying my best to do that. Let's do this. Let's look at a real-life example. Consider the example of Ireland's 2018 referendum, not that many months ago from when this podcast is being recorded. Ireland had its referendum on the pro-life protections found in its Eighth Amendment to its Constitution, and by a two-to-one margin, voters in the predominantly Catholic Ireland voted to repeal the protections, marking the first time in world history that a nation has voted to embrace abortion on demand as opposed to having it forced on them by courts or politicians. And if you want to hear more about that, I did a podcast on this, uh, one of our episodes, I think around middle of 20, yeah, it was middle of 2018. I think the referendum was maybe May or June or something like that. But look back in our podcast episodes and you'll see a full episode on the Ireland referendum. But why did this happen? Well, Ireland's culture shifted a long time ago and the abortion referendum exposed a result of that shift. Ireland was ripe for the picking in post-Christian Europe. So I got to ask the question, uh, we talk about post-Christian Europe, uh, where are we at right now in the United States? I mean, you answer that question. You look around, you do your uh, research on it, and you tell me where you think we're at in the United States right now. It's very significant to note at this point that abortion supporters in the United States are already engaged. I mean, they're not thinking about it. They're not planning it. They're not looking, you know, we're going to do this in a few years. They are already engaged in heavily, I mean, heavily funded culture change strategies in full expectation of a post-Roe America. It's it's. It's just a given for them. And when you do some time researching it online, as I have, it becomes very clear to you. They are fully engaged in deeply funded programs uh, to change culture in post-Roe America because they are anticipating the fall of Roe versus Wade. Uh, let me give you some examples. Whole Women's Health Association is a Texas-based abortion business, and they're promoting a national campaign intended to reduce the high negative perceptions of abortion. And in a parallel vein, Planned Parenthood Federation of America uh, identifies culture change as a key component in this three-part plan that they've put out there. You can Google it, three-part plan, Planned Parenthood, uh, and see exactly what I'm talking about. They have a three-part plan to expand abortion in post-Roe America. Okay, so they're already looking at the reversal of Roe, and they're already planning for how they're going to expand abortion access even after Roe falls. Now, there's this other effort out there. And it's, these are just three of a whole lot that are out there, but this other effort is called Sea Change. Sea Change ha- was launched in 2013, uh, and their website says that uh, its purpose is, and this is their quote, to help transform the culture of stigma around abortion and other stigmatized reproductive experiences, end quote. Now, not all of this is bad news for the pro-life movement. I mean, after all, the reason abortion supporters are throwing their full weight and money into change changing the culture is that they haven't won it yet. I mean, think about it. They wouldn't be doing this if they didn't have some serious problems on their hands. So uh, they're throwing all of this money, all of this effort into culture change in post-Roe America. And the high negatives associated with abortion are the reason why. And just as a case in point, um, I am very familiar with the professional marketing research that has been done in Indiana. It's one of the most extensive um, research projects ever done 
on abortion attitudes. And that research, it's very lengthy. It's like a about a 75-page report. But that research revealed that when middle ground millennials, now these are millennials that they're not hardcore pro-life, they're not hardcore pro-abortion. Um, these are middle ground millennials that kind of squish uh, one way or the other when asked about abortion. When they're asked this question, when they're asked if abortion is best for the woman, get this, only 10% of respondents agreed with that statement. And when they're asked if abortion is best for the baby, that plummeted to just a little bit over 6%. So we're seeing the exact same thing in this type of research that the abortion industry is seeing. I guarantee it. Uh, They're seeing the exact same type of responses. When you have only 10% of respondents saying abortion is best for the woman, and you have only 6% saying it's best for the baby, um, there's a big problem there with abortion. Abortion supporters, they know they've got a huge problem. The problem's called abortion. I mean, they know it. And I suspect that they're less than pleased with the feedback they're getting, especially on some of the stuff. Google this stuff. But some of the stuff that they've uh, you know, they're put out there, they try to make people just laugh about abortion like it's no big deal. I mean, there are images on some of their campaigns and stuff or just people laughing, you know. And uh, I can just tell you it's not working. I, I recently observed a focus group uh, in which millennials reviewed some of these, uh, you know, um, I call it the make abortion a big joke type of materials. And I can just tell you that um, when this focus group looked at these materials, especially, and this is key, especially the women in the group, the materials fell flat and they fell flat in a very hard way. So the, the whole thing about making abortion no big deal is really a significant mountain that abortion supporters are up against. But uh, just as their predecessors and other social issues, um, you know, they are following strategies that other types of issues used when they faced mountains to erode those mountains and gain higher acceptability in the culture. They're not trying to win. They're not trying to win the entire culture. We need to understand that. What they're trying to do is reach a tipping point. And there's a big difference between those two. They're not trying to get unanimous, um, you know, consent that all Americans are crazy about abortion and this is just wonderful now. That's not what they're trying to do. They're trying to reach a tipping point. We need to understand that. And so even though they have these high negatives, Um, the pro-life movement still must recognize and respond to the threats on the cultural front or risk being flanked while trying them just tying the majority of its hopes to legislation, politics, and the courts, all of which incidentally are downstream from where the culture is at. So, you know, if you're downstream all the time and something's happening upstream, uh, I can guarantee you're going to know about it sooner or later. (laughs) That's a 100% guarantee downstream all the time, something's happening upstream, you're going to know it. Hey, it's undeniable that the pro-life movement has done a a great job in political engagement, most notably in winning the battles that have been necessary to tilt the Supreme Court to what is now its most conservative makeup in over half a century. But the movement is lagging in the ability to inspire and innovate two vital elements in winning hearts and minds. Passing laws and inspiring a dream, those two are not the same thing. Deficiency in these areas, inspiration and innovation, if not corrected, will eventually lead to losing the culture. Inspiration and innovation is why Love Times 2 exists. Our mission is to love every mom and every baby no matter what. That's what makes us different. And I hope that that is inspiring to you. The point of this whole discussion is this. The pro-life movement must inspire and innovate or risk losing the culture. 
Hey, that's it for this episode of the Love Times 2 podcast. Never forget, change the culture and the politics will follow. This has been 139, the official podcast of Love Times 2. Join us in the journey at lovetimes2.org. That's love, the letter X, and the number 2, dot O-R-G. Thanks for listening.